Lexus Absolute Rally, powered by the Kielder Works team. Cordless tools tailored for the world of motorsport. Hello everyone, welcome to Absolute Rally, episode 12. Yes, you heard it right. Episode 12, season 24. We're back. It's pre-RAC, it's post-Monza. Um, last couple of weeks we've had an acoustic set at the beginning, as being myself and Ryan Champion right at the top, but uh, we've now turned into a tribute band. We are now effectively a tribute band to Fleetwood Mac, because we do have the tallest man... <laughs> Um, we've got a Mick Fleetwood, especially with the beard, because I've just seen he just just flashed his beard at me, so to speak, on, on Skype. We've got Big John Desborough with us. Hello, John. Hello, everybody. Lovely to be here. It's great. We are we are like a Fleetwood Mac tribute band now. There you go. Sorted. That was easy. Here's a song from our new album. Yes. <laughs> Sit back, relax, and we've got Ryan Champion en route to the RAC. Hello, Ryan Champion. Hello. Just don't tell me any lies. Oh, oh no. <laughs> You see, normally you'd expect that kind of trite, brainless stuff from me, but not now. Ryan Champion, you are the winner of trite, brainless wordplay. <laughs> you, you, you know what's happening? You spent too much time on podcasts with me. I'm starting to infect your otherwise perfect brain. Get, you've got to stop that. You can't be a driver and think like that. Well, if, he, okay. if, he's a, if he's a driver in a, in a rear-engine, rear-wheel drive Porsche where he'll literally be <laughs> dancing through the stages, you could say in the night stage you could be tango in the night. But there oh. you go. Oh, I know it was tenuous. Give me a break. It was tenuous. <laughs> Are you a Fleetwood Mac fan by any chance, Ryan Champion? <laughs> uh, no, but uh, I do have uh, the best of Fleetwood Mac on my Apple Music or whatever. In Ryan, Ryan, can I just there. tell you? That's like everybody else that goes on those TV shows on the uh, those give those TV shows on TV. And funnily enough, where they say, "Look, I've got a first edition of a Harry Potter. Is it worth an absolute fortune?" And just like your CD or record, they say, "No." Most of the population of the planet bought that album or book when it came out. Yeah, I was just about to say, if you're over forty, if you haven't got a best of of Fleetwood Mac <laughs> somewhere, then. Yeah, you'd be odd. You'd be the odd one out, I think it's fair to say. Tango mm. on the Night is very much the same as well. There you go. I'll be honest, this is not how I expected this to start. I wonder um, how some of our overseas listeners, I mean, I know Fleetwood might did go international, but I bet some of our overseas listeners, particularly the younger ones, are going, what the hell are these on about? <laughs> well, but in fairness, Don't Jack, they say that every week? John, yeah, yeah. they do, John. Yeah, they, they, they do. But, John, you alluded to, yeah. obviously, one of their more famous tunes to people who don't realise, of course, which was mm-hmm. the Formula One, ding, mm-hmm. ding, 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 which, of course, yeah, is a drift, a yeah. rift from, what's the song? I should know is this. It's the chain. chain. It is the chain. Yeah, of course it is. Mm-hmm. So there you go. There you go. Anyway, again, I'll reiterate the point. This is not how I expected this to start. Um, right, Ryan Champion. break the chain. <laughs> Ryan, I was just thinking, hearing Tony there, it sounds like one of his stage interviews, doesn't it? That was not the way I expected it to start. You know, that'd be the interview at the end of stage one, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, to be fair, Ryan Champion's going to be the one, of course, with the with the, the mic pushed under his under his helmet. I was going to say then, which could be misconstrued. <laughs> um, Ryan Champion, of course, en route. Um, for the RAC rally. Now, right, you and I have done a piece a little bit later on with, with uh, Chris Harris from Top Gear. We, we, we got him, and and uh, to say your audio is, is amazing compared to what Chris's is, so apologies in advance, but Chris was on a train to go and to do some engagement in London and then to travel back to get ready for the RAC, so we actually got him on, on, on route to the train, but we won't ruin it, right? Um, but um, just talking about you, just take our listeners through the next 24 hours for you before we go anywhere else 
Well, we're heading to, to scrutineering now. You can scrutineer today or tomorrow, but the boys just wanted to get all the uh, formalities done this afternoon. So heading up to Carlisle now, we'll be there in a... Um, well, it, it depends how long this podcast takes, which could be anything <laughs> from 10 minutes to two hours. But anyway, within reason, we should be uh, in Carlisle in an hour or so. Um, we'll get the documentation side, get scrutineering done this afternoon, probably check the lights on the car tonight, just make sure that I'm happy with the way they're set up. Um, and then that just leaves really tomorrow to uh, to do a lot of fiddling. There's a lot of fiddling goes on before a rally, as you know, Tony. The more time you've got, the more you fiddle. So, um, yeah, a little bit of preparation in the morning. The nature of this rally, because it's quite a sprawling rally, uh, there's maps involved in this rally. Do you remember those, wow. John Nesbra? Right. Um, obviously not not in the cars anymore, as they used to be, but nonetheless, the uh, the management car and the, and the guys in the van need to, to know where they're going because they, they move around. You know, the, the service area actually changes during the day. Can you believe it? <laughs> Um, so yeah, tomorrow morning will be a, a bit of preparation with with Craig and the service guys, and then we'll also just check the the pace notes for the first uh, couple of stages tomorrow night. We're obviously not allowed to recce on this rally, but we do get a video of the stages. Um, I've spent about the last what feels like the last month of my life uh, looking through the uh, the route, and um, yeah, we'll sit and go through it together, Craig and I. Uh, and just just check that I'm happy with the notes for tomorrow night, and then we actually kick off from from Carlisle at 4 p.m. tomorrow, and, and dis- disappear into Kilda for four stages in the dark tomorrow evening. Wow! And just to reiterate, just how how kind of time sensitive the RAC is, we've actually recreated the phones that were used back on the original RAC to ring like in the that? background. Yeah, that, that, Did you that like just that? Added, That's real nostalgia. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. That just added to it. That was like, yeah. I, I genuinely thought Will Woodard was, was going to answer that then. And, and to, Do you think to, that was the management car? Yeah, pretty it, much. I think it was the rally line, wasn't it? The rally line yeah, in, the, the, you know, in the results room where, where William Woodard sat on the end of the bench Yeah, and uh, with his shirt and tie on with a leaderboard in the background. Yeah. That's it. There was, how many people did they have in the background now today? It'd just be a laptop. In fact, it probably wouldn't even be a laptop, it'd be a mobile phone. Uh, anyway, so we're going to talk more RAC, uh, obviously, later on with Chris Harris. We're also going to, obviously, try and do some bits and pieces during it. Don't quite know what I'm going to do yet, but either, either or, there'll be a massive review of it next week. You can pretty much guarantee next week will be a whole RAC debrief. Um, Ryan Champion, um, I'm going to keep it brief for you with regards to Monza last weekend. Um, the goat bowed out. Discuss. <laughs> well, it's just as well you haven't got Jack Benyon involved in this conversation because we'd have to discuss who the goat is, wouldn't we? But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Seb Auger is his last full-time drive, and he just did what he's done for, you know, whatever it is, the last seven, eight years of his career. I mean, he he, he did it properly. We, we talked about it last week. I thought he might just do enough to... Uh, do the job and to take the championship. No, that's not how he wanted to go out. Sebastian Auger wanted to go out how he is used to going out and, and win the rally. So, yeah, brilliant performance from him because, uh, yeah, okay, he's used to handling this pressure and he has done all the way through his career. But nonetheless, he knew this was his last full-time drive. He knew that he probably didn't have to win the rally to win the world championship. But nonetheless, he did what he's always done and put in a brilliant performance to win the rally. And we touched on it last week that he's, He's going out at the top of his game, and that proved it. He was still the best driver last weekend. He, he took the victory. Um, you know, Elvin took the fight to him. 
but ultimately we knew that um, whether he uh, it didn't really matter where Roger finished if if he was in or around the top three he was going to take the championship but yeah it wasn't enough for the man he, he had to take the victory and, uh, and a great drive from him we won't talk about our predictions right we'll just we'll just stay clear of that um, Big John <laughs> I, I, I want to ask you unfortunately Trevor Trevor's not with us with, this week he'll be with us next week Trevor, mm. Trev's not a big believer in luck but um, mm. I yeah. watched the Sunday stage yeah. Uh, and I've just, funny enough, I watched your highlights. Well, you, you voiced the yeah. highlights, and I watched that back again this yeah. morning. That clip, yeah. and it is a clip. <laughs> How can that not be described as a I look? don't know. Well, two millimetres to the right, and that would have been him toast. I uh, had a weird fiction feeling in my mind the day before, and I thought, if this was fiction, how would it end? And I said to myself, Seb Ogier simply has to crash, because Elvin had done everything he possibly could. Um, he'd been, you know, neat and tidy like Elvin. He'd been super fast, fantastically organised. He was even driving like a sprinter, leaning over the line, even more than he does normally. And I thought, but you know what? Even when you've got five seconds, Elvin, that's still not enough because he's in second place. That's not enough. You need another 10. You need him to do something and drop off the top six. And you need a few Hyundais to come and get involved. And they didn't because of whatever. And then, lo and behold, that on the Sunday morning, I felt, oh, my, how? But, yeah, there's not, there's not luck. There's judgment. That's how fine he has been in his judgment. I would say, in the back of his mind, he woke up on Sunday morning and thought, oh, my Lord, today's the day. And it even got to him. I think that the nerves and the tension and the apprehension got to him. I think he must have, you know, turned to his right and thought, last time I worked with this guy in Gracia, the, the, the decade is over and he realized it was the last day and those sorts of things were just beginning to seep into his mind he he clipped that thing and got away with it i mean it, did you see the look on the tire on the wheel and the yeah, rim of the tire yeah. afterwards i mean scarcely scarcely was it damaged that would just take a little chip off anybody else as they all said on sunday night anybody else and they would have gone you know a over t and down down the bank and that well, would have been history but for him because he is him he got away with it and, you know, he got to the end. He said, oh, did I win the rally? And to anybody else, you'd think you sarcastic git. But to him, I genuinely don't think he, he had won it because it had been to and fro with Elvin the whole weekend. Right. I, I did have to laugh. I don't know if you've seen the, the, the debrief video of, of all the team yeah. principals. Uh, I was going to bring Ryan for a second. Um, I think it was Yari Matty who said, if that would have been me, it would have been a barrel roll or something down the stage. Yeah. <laughs> it, but that's how good he is. And that's why I say, you know, if you look at all his wins and add them all up, they're twice as many as everybody else put together, probably more these days. That's why Elvin will be glad to see the back of him because Elvin respects him and has been his number two for a long, long time. Next year, when all the variables come in of the new digital, uh, digital <laughs> hybrid technology, Elvin's really got to grab it. Uh, that's, that is Elvin's year because... Yeah. Seb is gone. But he still says he wants to do Monte Carlo. And he wants to do Monte Carlo because he believes he owns the place. That he, is his attitude. The prince of the principality. How can I not go back? The prince How of the principality. How can I not go back and try it out? Yeah. You know, from there, he didn't want, didn't want to go to Sweden because he never did well there. Then where are we after that? Do we go to Croatia in March or something? Yeah. And no doubt they'll we'll probably say that's tarmac. Give that one to me. And then, you know, SEP will be sitting on the sideline saying, when do I get in this chuffing car? Right. Um, Right, just, just, I'm just conscious of, of, of Ryan and Ty. Ryan, if I can just bring you in 
for a second, just obviously just with regards to, I, I don't know whether you were watching the, the, the live stream or whatever on the Sunday morning, but, you know, again, I suppose the same point to you. Obviously, Trev's always been adamant that there's there's no such thing as luck, but um, what was your take on it when you seen the, the chunk that he took out of the wheel and the tyre? Well, I mean, we've said it before, and, uh, you know, I look at it slightly different way. There's definitely luck. There's 100% there is luck. Um, I don't believe you can make your own luck, but you make your own odds. And, and that's why, you know, the best drivers do, do rise to the top because they, they minimise the, uh, the incidents, they, they minimise the faults, they minimise the, the mistakes. But um, we've seen it a number of times over the years with, with Auger. You know, I remember one, was it Monte Carlo last year where he should have been down the bank side. Anybody else would have been down the bank side, but he managed to power out of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess he, he makes so few mistakes and, uh, the, you know, he, it's just that where other drivers make mistakes, they're big enough mistakes that they get punished and, and his mistakes are, are maybe smaller and he gets away with it. Um, yeah, like I said, he, he's certainly been lucky at times, but is that because his mistakes are, are smaller? Um, I'm, I'm not really sure, but certainly, you know, what we've seen from him and, and Seblo before it, they very, very rarely... Who's that disappearing they, into Dalek land? Wait, wait, no, no, he's, he's still here. He's still here, trust me. <laughs> Um, there's no no Doctor Who here, not yet. Not yeah. Yet. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's like John said. I think um, certainly for for Elvin, it, it next year's a reset. Um, different rivals, Hyundai. Yeah, interesting. I mean, we're hearing a bit about Hyundai and a brand new car that they've they've got coming now with Christian Loriot. But Hyundai needs something, don't they? Because they're, they're not in the fight at the minute. So it's a reset. There's no Auger brand new cars uh, and it'll be interesting over the first couple of rallies to see uh, you know to see what the new order is can i just just before we we, we get to the new world order as it were but what is going to be 2022 um one one thing i'm kind of slightly bemused about what went on on monza okay i want to get your take right as a driver and obviously your involvement in the competition side cali rovan pera <laughs> and yeah. yeah, there was reference to the sacrifice that 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 Cali made, um, and I'm still, you know, he, he, you know, it's like he was told not to go hard right from the beginning. You would have thought previously, you know, in team orders, so to speak, it would have been, you know, go and have your day one. You know, if if things were getting silly towards the end of day one, then maybe temper it in, in, on day two. It was almost like, you know. You're doing the rally, but you're going to go seven tens for the entire weekend. So just that's it. That's mm. that's it. What was your take on it, Ray? Well, I, I didn't look at the the championship permutations for the manufacturers beforehand, but I guess they tout that with the number of manufacturer entries, as long as he finished, Toyota would win the championship. I, I'm right. not sure. Okay. Somebody might tell me that's wrong, but I, but I would say that was the aim they had. As long as they got one car to the finish, they were going to win the championship, and you know that was certainly the way they were playing it with him. And and I guess if you look at it from a from a team point of view he was certainly the third driver for that weekend no doubts about it because his two teammates were fighting for the championship and if your two teammates happened to crash out on the same stage then you know then it was going to come down to him so yeah I understand the strategy he was maybe going slower than, than we might have expected but like I said, I'm sure in the, with, with a team with the clout of Toyota, somebody looked at it, they knew what he needed to do. 
he had a plan for the weekend and he just set out to play the team game. Uh, that left the uh, the two team leaders, if you like, to fight it out for the World Championship and no matter what happened, they were fairly comfortable that they'd bring the manufacturer's title home, which is obviously you know, crucial to, to Toyota Motor Company. John, I enjoyed the, the mischievous glint in his eye when he was questioned about the donuts. <laughs> yeah, I think Callum was supposed to bring home the manufacturer's championship, but he was too far out of it. He was relaxing that much. Um, maybe on the whenever they have that meeting, possibly on Thursday, they said, now, Calla, young Calla, pay attention at the back. Uh, you know that half million euros we pay you and how you get an upgrade to a million euros next year. It probably, the conversation would have started something like that. Well, we need you to do this. Um, you're going to bring home the manufacturer, the final points of the manufacturer's title, which he didn't quite do. But they always had that plan for the donuts. Because, you know, the creatives get involved, I reckon, and say, listen, we can have a bit of fun with this because we don't want Callum to be forgotten. But there was no way they were going to let him get involved at the front. I don't think he would have done or could have done just yet. Uh, I got a little bit twisted with him saying, oh, yeah, talk to my co-driver, Yona. He's on the notes. I think he made a mistake. And just for a second, I took him seriously. Uh, but then, you know, the whole donut appeared in the picture glued into the notes on social media. And I began to say, come on, Desbury, you've got to get the joke here. Um, but they had to keep him out of the way. So it was a fair fight between Elvin and Seb. Um, and, it, and it all worked out. You know, everybody was happy, apart from Elvin at the end. Um, right. Um, I suppose just, 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 just leaping back to, to, to where we were. Out of all the drivers now, and I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to ask you on a second. Out of all the drivers now in the WRC, who is possibly uh, rubbing their hands, licking their lips the most now that that the goat has stepped down, as it were? Well, uh, on this year's car and, and this year's form, then of course it's got to be Alvin Evans, but. We don't know what Hyundai are going to do next year. We don't know what M Sport Ford are going to do next year. And there is a young guy in Toyota called Calais Robin Perra who is now about ready to say, hang on a minute, I'm fighting for this championship as well. So, uh, you know, we, we're, we're bursting everything on this year, but I have a feeling next year could be quite different. John, what's your take on it? Who, who do you feel is, is the one um, that... If I was Elvin, I would. If I was Elvin, I would hire an agent who would come into the meetings with me with Yali Matty, and they'd say, "Now look, uh, you see how me and the boy Caller are doing quite well. Well, I'm the senior man here, and I would play the Ogier from last year and the year before. I'm sure, you know, this is how he has played it. I'm the senior man here. I've got the most wins. I've got the most stage wins. I've got this. I've got that. I am Seb Ogier. I've got the titles." And now this is my chance. This is my season. I know Cal is fast. I know you like him. I know he's finished, but this is my chance. And that's how you, I think you've got to inject a little bit of that ego into all those conversations. However you do it, I don't know, subtly, maybe you bang the desk. I don't know what the style <laughs> is, but that's, that's what you've got to do. And um, you've got to, I think you've got to, you know, act like a champion. And I just hope Elvin can kind of puff his chest out and say, I am Elvin Evans. Uh, you know, let's hope by, the time they come out of Croatia, when we well, no, when do we get onto the gravel? He's got his nose in front, and he can do to everybody else what Seb has done to everybody else so far, um, and have a nice, comfortable lead. But I think he's really got to believe in himself and and know he has the right to go in there, bang the desk, and say, "Now listen, I've been doing this for a long time. I've got these wins. He's got those wins. I've done. I've got these points. Listen to me. I'm going to win this one for you." 
Um, Ryan Champion, that's, that's you, what I, I, I want to know whether Ryan Champion's ever banged the desk before. I let him go. Ryan Champion, have you ever gone into a team boss and banged your desk and demanded? It, it's very, rare, it's very rare. I've been near a desk. In fact, I've, I've spent <laughs> like the last forty years of my life avoiding desks, really, since I left school. So, um, no. No, I didn't think so. Um, I'm conscious you need to go about your business, Ryan Champion. So this is the point where we're probably going to go to a break and let you go. Uh, and from all of us, and obviously all our listeners, um, bring, good, bring luck. It, good luck, bring it home. Thank you, thank you. We'll certainly try and bring it home. It would be nice to be at the end of this five-day marathon. And uh, I'm sure there's going to be some uh, some interesting experiences along the way. So, uh, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll tell everybody about it next week. Genuinely can't wait to hear about it. Folks, we're going to go to a break and then John and I are going to come back with a little bit more Monza. This is Absolute Rally. Absolute Rally continues to be partnered by the Kielder Works team, who remain fully committed to the sport and are pioneers of the latest technology. Kielder cordless tools are tailored for all forms of competitive action. Go back to the future with the Kielder Works team. Welcome back to Absolute Rally. Ryan, off now. Stop for his sandwich. Heading north. Um, it's just, it's, you know, it's, you know what, John? It's, it's funny because obviously I've, I've come back uh, and done some rallies towards the end of this year as well. And things have changed. You know, scrutineering isn't quite what it was. There's certainly no documentation now and things like that. And genuinely yeah. just listening to what Ryan's going to do is thinking this is a, this is a full throwback because we've kind of got rid of documentation yeah. and scrutineering recently. So... Yeah, they're embracing the whole experience of, of, of going back in time. So, yeah, and why not? After, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Because um, I think people need that. Um, they just want a little bit of what normal was. And I was, I was getting a little bit excited and a bit tense listening to him, thinking, oh, imagine all that paperwork and he's got to do this and he's got to do that. I know where he is, you know, fiddling with the car and worrying, getting tense about, has he done this, has he done the other? Uh, You'll feel an awful lot better when he's leading his class at the end of stage one. I think so. I think I'm, I'm, I'm t- if I've got too much time before a rally, I'm terrible. Honestly, I, I'm like a bear with a sore head. Anybody will tell you I'm like a bear with a sore head. I just want to go and do yeah. it. So, now, talking of which, did you, did you hear any of the drivers over the weekend on the WRC on our coverage talking about what they did before the off? There was a little bit more attention on, on people's routines. You know, sometimes you see um, Thierry Nerville with a finger of his left hand crossing in front of his eyes, and he's just making sure his eyes are tracking, can track the finger. I don't know what he does. I've seen, yeah, I've, I've, I've know, actually seen Carol rolls his knuckles. Yeah. Carol rolls his knuckles. And some of them, um, I think said, Seb said he just closes his eyes and, and empties his head of everything, which to me is impossible. Yeah. I think that it takes a certain special... Um, that, you know, I can't compare anything towards those guys, but you know, yeah. I, I have a routine that I do before I start, and I, you know, I tense every muscle and then let it all go. <laughs> Honestly, I t- you know, every muscle yeah. I can tense, I tense it for probably yeah. five seconds, then let it go, and that's yeah. kind of what I do on a stage start. Yeah, I think uh, Robert Reed used to turn to Richard and say, "And remember to breathe." <laughs> well, it's it's funny you say that because, and uh, uh, again. In a previous life, and Ryan would relate to this as well, because Ryan's done a bit of this type of work. I've done some tuition and stuff at, at rally schools and race schools probably 10, 15 years ago now. And 
the, 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 the scariest thing when you've got a punter in a car when you're doing some tuition, and normally it's, you know, people coming from experiences and, you know, a rally experience for the day, is that they don't wear gloves, obviously, so you see the knuckles go white and they're literally glowing white because the whole car's yes. the steering wheel. And, of course, you've got intercoms uh, in some of the cars as well. Yeah. And yeah. there's silence and you can't even hear breathing. And I go, don't forget to breathe. Don't forget yeah. to breathe. If you've got no oxygen yeah. in there, your brain's not going to work and you're not going to listen to anything I'm going to tell you. So no, no exactly. It, 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 it happens to everybody, the perception when people get inside a rally car. Yeah. And, you know, I appreciate we have people who, who listen who also obviously compete as well. And this, 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 they'll be probably rolling their eyes at this bit, but there's people who don't. So it's, it's kind of, mm. but you, when somebody gets in a car and you've been a passenger in a car, of course, John, as well, um, it, you, you, even though it'll look like a road car and outside, and then you get in and you've got a helmet on mm. and a roll cage around you, and obviously a very different type of seat. Now, mm. uh, all those things completely mess with people when you when they've not done it before. And even yeah, put a and, hel- why, and why not? And even but put I a would, helmet on somebody and getting in a road yeah, and car, clip in the pelter, and then yeah. suddenly you've got somebody your your voice very loud in their ear. Yeah. It's, uh, and then they, they strap you in and you get a man come in and strap you into the, into the belts, you know, the five point. You think, oh, he's a bit close. And then suddenly you think, and I'm a bit close to this seat. Oh, great. And then you kind of stretch a little bit and think that's when the pulse quickens and the body says, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, true. And it, 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 it is amazing. And one thing that used to be great to do, um, and we're completely off topic here. We will come back, folks. Stay with us. Um, <laughs> is when we used to do sponsor days and stuff like that. And when nobody's ever been there before and ne- never had that interpretation. And, and I can remember doing one for, for one of my sponsors probably about 10 years ago. I was involved with, with an American brewery. Um, and it was uh, a beer that we were we were importing in, and da 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 da. da. And they came over um, to see the distributor and stuff, and we 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 rented the forest, and we went and did some passenger rides with them. And the last, the the, the owner's father came over, and talking about the guy coming over and strapping him in. So we had somebody there, obviously strapping him into the rally car alongside me. And the guy obviously went over, and it was this actually a six point harness, and and. The guy was putting the six-point harness on this guy, and he said, the last time I was strapped in like this, I was flying over Nam." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it, is, it is like that, and yeah. the smell of the thing is unusual as well. You look at all the controls and think, well, what do all these do? And then if, you, if your uh, co-driver's seat is you know, down there, you yeah. think, I can't see any of this. What's going on? And then if, if it's on gravel, you'll throw it into the first corner, and if you're a left-hand drive and the passenger's on the right-hand drive and you'll take, you know, one of those left-hand corners, the passenger will just be able to see out the window on the, left, on the right and think, why the hell am I going down the road first? Why is the car going broadside down here? And then suddenly, you know, you're straight for the, for the corner and you're off. You know what's happening because yeah. you can see it coming. Yeah. Um, and that whole delivery of the information to the driver changes with, with everybody. Uh, I, I often try and listen to the information that Elver, that Scott gives to Elvin and that Julian has given to uh, Seb. And it, once you can get a little bit of the French, you realize that Julian is repeating. But it's the timing of that information. Uh, Absolutely. Timed perfectly for that particular driver. You'll probably have exactly the same from your co-driver. He has learned that the, your information that you need has got to come there. But it's the bits where the co-driver then repeats because essentially is you're not going from the bottom of the page to the top of the page again. But just repeat that. And then what if the driver says no? Uh, we'll make that a don't cut. Then he's got to have a pencil in his hand and he's just got to mark it with a little kind of squidge. 
And then at the end of the stage, you go back to it and you say, what's that squidge doing there on page three on that fifth note at the bottom of, uh, bottom of the page there? And you'll have to think, yeah, what is that? What yeah. is that doing there? And yeah. that's a don't cut for when you go back. Um, it's remarkable. It is, it is uh, David Lackwell used to say to me, it's like a foreign language and you can't just learn it at that level. You've got to go all the way back to the beginning and you've got to appreciate it uh, at a slow and a more methodical and a slower speed and then gradually you'll get better and you'll get better and you'll get better and then suddenly it's just like you know talking talking that foreign language uh, in a very fast conversation absolutely absolutely but uh, anyway we digress we go back to we go back to monza and um do you know does it feel john yeah you know, we were all kind of slightly annoyed by monza last year um, it was a kind of uh, this year it just seems to have been far more accepted and I don't know whether it was the fact yeah. that there was a lot more stages obviously um, on, on you know there wasn't as much of the yeah. circuit used but I don't I don't I don't I didn't feel as much resistance um, certainly from the teams and drivers no. as much this time round or indeed from the fans I think everybody was glad just to have it last year we didn't quite understand what we were doing there and there was a little bit of but this is Formula One what are we doing here uh, last year there was genuine jeopardy when the snow came down and it was wet whereas this year most of it was dry uh, the sun was out so it got a little bit alpine and I thought to myself sceptically no we can get this in Monte Carlo we don't need this here what are we doing here now uh, and then you got a few issues of you know leaves and cuts and things I thought oh that's nice but to me and I don't want to be disrespectful to Monza and you know I know the promoter would probably not want me to say this because I might upset the Italian promoters but you know Monza to me was definitely that second girl at the dance who you had to dance with because the one you really wanted to dance with didn't want to dance with you and you can't for whatever reason. So we're not going to Tokyo. We're not going to Japan. We're going to Monza. And then we got stuck into all those strange stages that were concocted around the circuit. And I thought, no, 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 this is an auto test. But bit by bit, you know, Julian and Bex were saying there are 20 changes of surface in this stage. And then I thought, aha, okay. Yeah. Now I understand. Now I know what's going on because this is on a tyre pick. And it's likely to be that tyre, and that tyre is only going to be right for that driver in, I don't know, 10, 20, 50% of the corners. So this this is going to be interesting. But to me, if you want to go in the mountains like that, at that time of the year, go to Monte Carlo, we get all that there. I cannot wait to get back to Japan and see that. But thank you very much, Monza. Very professional job. Brilliant. But there's just too much concrete and too many empty seats for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I ask? Out of uh, taking aside the top two, and of course we know they were in a championship battle. Aside from those two, who do you reckon? And not necessarily in the position where they finished, but who do you reckon? Who who do you think got the most out? Who was the best of the rest? And I don't necessarily mean that as I say, you know, fourth or fifth or whatever it may be. Who who was the best of the rest? Then, well, to me, uh, Danny was fast, clean, reliable, did everything that was required of him. Just he was Danny quite, Sordo. You know, he, 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 yeah, he, he was Danny Sordo is the best way of putting it, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. But again, you know, he, he says to me, you know, I, I says to the, the, the camera, I'm fighting a seven times world champion here. You know, I'm doing quite well. I might look slow, but I'm very glad to be fighting a, a champion of, of that ilk and that standing. And they are all very respectful to him. You know, someone has got to get in that ring and say, I'm fighting the man, I'm not fighting the reputation, and throw a good early punch and hold it and then come in with a second one. But they all seem to, we almost have got back to that place where there's a virtual first place. Seb's going to win. Who's going to win the virtual first place, which is actually second place. Um, so Danny was good. And Elvin is, you know, Elvin is right there. He is right there. He is so good, but there's just something that has been missing. 
and unfortunately when we got to Monza when he got in the lead we went yes you then do the calculations and think hang on a second he's got to do this by 18 points he's got what's he got 25 to 18 at 7 that's these what's got to happen he needs another 11 or 12 to be certain and you needed the others to get involved and that's just not a healthy situation to be in the reason Seb was so good was because he did all the work in the summer you know with Kenya uh, and the other wins and if you want to compete with a guy like that, you've got to compete every stage, every loop, every day, every event, and be as perfect and uh, as as you know determined and ruthless as he is. Can I? That's, that's what you've got to learn. Can I ask you? Because you've obviously been around the coverage for twenty years. But don't take too long. Twenty years, I would say, isn't it? Give or take. Yeah. 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 So you've you've been through. Um, Sebastian Ogier. Um, yeah. you've been through obviously Seb Loeb. Um, we had, you know, we, we had Petter Solberg, um, obviously coming into the latter years of, of, of I suppose, of, of, of maybe Tommy as well. Yeah. Um, is Seb the best because he did it with three manufacturers? I know there's a number of titles, is oh, there? To my, yes, to my mind, definitely. Because Seb Loeb, I think, had it made slightly easier because uh, we, we were talking about the French Revolution within the promotion and the TV operation. We're talking a lot more about the French Revolution. And the French Revolution started with Seb Loeb when people began to realise he was good. This time, 20 years ago, when he came back, I think he turned up in Corsica and came fourth or something, and everybody went, wow. And I thought, I need to go and have a look at this guy. And standing in on the tarmac at on the airport there where they built the service park, I was kind of nudged out of the way by, oh, who are you? Oh, hang on a second. You're David Richards. And uh, I thought, right, this is a sign that this guy's got something. And then Citroen realized he got something. And then, of course, other companies from France get involved and they realize he's got something. Then he's won the championship. I mean, he didn't win the the Petter Solberg championship because I think Citroen said to him, look, don't worry. Let's get the manufacturers. You'll be fine from here on. Let Petter have his moment. We're, we're coming good. And the French Revolution involved all those French companies and all those big brands getting behind him. And I think all those little extra ones and five percent were made easier for him because he was Seb Loeb. And then gradually people thought, how are we going to beat this guy? This Schumacher-esque kind of performance. And people thought, well, let's not get involved in that championship. We're never going to win it. That's the French. That's Citroen. That's Loeb. And then eventually he went, and then we had Seb Ogier back with VW. And I think a lot of people thought the same. But then when he went to M Sport... That, to me, is when a golden era started in 2017. Okay, so let's see what you're like driving that. You had a little go in the Citroen. You've won in the uh, Polo. What do you like driving this? Oh, my word, you're just as good. You're yeah, just as good. Then he went to Citroen, and, you know, we had that whole episode, but he managed to get a win for them. And then on to Toyota. Well, you know, he was bound to win the championship in Toyota. So I think, yes, he is the best. He is, to me, he's the greatest of all time with respect to Seb Loeb and the numbers that he has won. But I think the backing that Seb Loeb had at the time and the context was better and easier for him. But I'm loath to do that whole football thing where they say, do you think the England football team today is as good as the one yeah. in 1966? Because yeah, yeah, no. I think the game has changed. Everything that stays has changed. The pitches have changed. The preparations have changed. Everything that happens has changed. You can't compare. It's apples and oranges. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that, John. Um, uh, just getting towards... Um, wrap up of I suppose looking back at the season um, albeit very briefly but um, a fitting end um, you know we we all I suppose from a very selfish point of view we all wanted to see 
Elvin get his first championship. Obviously, mm. hopefully we will in the not too distant future. But um, it's got a nice neat bow on it. Um, Seb, you know, I, I genuinely, and I think the, the commentating team said it um, over the weekend when I was watching when 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 he finished. There was a little part of me that, and I think Julian had even said it to 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 uh, to, to Seb Ogier after speaking to, to, to Seb Ogier's wife. There's a little part of me that kind of thought, <laughs> just 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 stop now, just do this now. Yeah. He did say it, didn't he? I'm not surprised. I'm surprised he hasn't yeah. just quit now. Yeah, I heard that. And I, I felt the same. Why come back for this? You know, what's, what are you going to gain? You're going to get somewhere. You're going to get into that new car. It won't be the same. And, you know, you'll be in the champion. I mean, they, he might just slot himself in and just say, do you know what? I start, I'll be in the road order so far down, uh, whatever car I'm driving. You know, it can be an old milk float. I'll still win it from there because I'll be that number on the road. He might be planning that. I don't know what he's playing, but you do think, yeah, let's just quit now. But, you know, Colin McRae quit when he quit, and then he decided he had to come back. Marcus Gronholm quit when he quit, and then he decided he had to come back. And it's a, it's a you know, rally, you don't retire from it, it retires from you. And it decides when you pack up. And it's very, very difficult choosing that moment when you retire, because that's all they have known their entire life, especially him. And it's very difficult, you know, to be sitting there at home, surrounded by all that gold and all that glass and all those trophies and their lovely kid and to look at your bank account online and there's $28 billion in there and you're going to plan, you know, to go to Dubai for the winter. But you think, yeah, yeah, but I'm a competitor. I like I like getting in a fight. I like, well, I like trying to win. That's what I like. How am I getting, where am I going to get that from? And that's the thing that is most difficult. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. But... As I say, I just keep on coming back to. I'm looking now at the the, the driver lineups for next year and just the new cars again as well. And that must be where all these other drivers must think, yeah, I fancy it now. And it must have been, it must have been exactly the same when Loeb finished. You know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> of course, with everybody thought, wow, got a chance here. Yeah. Uh, with him not gone, then you know, this is this is the time to, to pick. And it's not just the drivers and all the co-drivers or you know engineers or team managers. It's everybody else. I think out there in corporate and business world that says, hang on a second, we can make an impact here. Um. So, but I'm really excited by what's happening at M Sport. Uh, for a moment, I thought you're not going to try and hire Seb Loeb for Tarmac next year, are you? Um, but Craig Breen in that new car, I want to see that fly. I want to see that on podiums. I want to see that. I want to see that happen yeah. next year. Cause I, I, to me, the human life thing is just, it's not quite right. The whole Toyota thing has worked. I don't know why it might just be again, that Ogier influence, you know, watch me learn. Okay. I'm Seb Lo, uh, Seb <laughs> Watch me learn. And I think this could be another M Sport moment, a bit like it was. Do you think? You know. do, do you think that's why, though? Um, you know, obviously, Oitanak was taken to to Hyundai as a world champion, and they wanted mm. the world champion. You think about, um, mm. you think about the beginning of seventeen. Of course, you know, M Sport got Sebogian. He was a world champion. Mm. Um, you know, Toyota. Okay, their first driver lineup didn't have a world champion, but they just so happened their team boss was a four-time world champion. You know, there was there was pedigree, there was there, there was there, and, and you, you kind of think that you know, Hyundai perhaps went looking for that with Titanic, and it just hasn't. As you say, I, I'm in agreement. Something hasn't quite clicked, and you just wonder well, whether there'll be a relief that there's a clean sheet of paper and we're starting again now. Yeah, I just hope with Oit that it wasn't that stage four in Monte Carlo 
two years ago. I just hope he he realizes he can trust that car as much as he can trust the Toyota or the Ford. I'm hoping that it wasn't. He got in there and said, I'm White Tannock, I'm having this. And then stage four happened and off he went in a big, big way, big way. Um, you know, I I just hope he is the same White Tannock that he was because he's, there is a, and he goes to a place, he goes to McRae land, you know, McRae land up there where nothing else matters. There's nothing else in your head apart from just driving a car unbelievably quick um and everybody's sort of sucking air and throwing their hands up and saying how did he do that that's where we need Oit to get back um so i want him back there but i still think it's going to be very attractive at m sport in 2022 that's what i'm looking forward to very much so very much so john um that's us that's us for this week um we we are well we've still got next week and then we're going to have a break and then we've got the Christmas quiz John and I've got no idea what's going to happen to the Christmas quiz because it's it's, it's historically been a plane crash um, uh, one thing I can guarantee with the Christmas quiz I will be at the bottom of that list well what, the, you, you, the set, you, you set questions uh, previously of course um, <laughs> I still haven't quite decided what we're going to do um, if truth be told so um, yeah I need to kind of get my thinking cap on because this is the other thing as well the, the, the others normally just rock up yeah, uh, right, okay. and then and then I have to well, you know you know just it is, throw a few desperate questions in there, will you? Throw a few sort of maverick sidebar little you know lateral thinking questions. That's one for John. Yeah, that okay. one there. Well, that's for John. Well, we'll, we'll we will be conversing, John, about the quiz there at the time. I can, oh, I can good. assure I like you that. that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah we, good. We, we will converse, um, folks. We're going to go to a break, and as I say, we are going to come back with Chris Harris a little bit more on the RAC, and then we've got Adam Hall joining us, um, just talking about obviously the new Rally Insight book that's coming out, which is uh, which has been out for the last couple of years, which is a fascinating read, great coffee table book, and uh, yeah, so sit back, relax, going to go to a little break, and we'll be back with Chris Harris. Hi everyone, this is John Desborough, commentator and presenter on the World Rally Championship. I'm hoping you've seen my debut novel, Breaking Point. If you haven't, check it out on eBay. It's a rollercoaster ride of deceit and blackmail from a golden age of the WRC. And like a good rally, it starts fast and gets faster. Breaking Point, by me, John Desborough, on eBay, now for $7.99. Welcome back to the next section of Absolute Rally. And I'm joined by two people, and one of them we all know because it's Ryan Champion, uh, and another one who basically... My wife has got 35,000 problems with the pair of you. And the reason why that is because both of you convinced me to buy a GR Yaris. So uh, my wife has got great issue. Chris Harris, of course, of, of Top Gear and various other bits and pieces joins us. Uh, Pre-RAC Rally. Welcome to Absolute Rally, Chris. Thank you for having me, boys. It's, it's, it's great to have you on. Obviously, we've got our own Ryan champion who's the racing snake that he is, who's, who's primed and ready to go in the Tuthill Porsche. We thought we'd reach out to you because Brim Moore, obviously, who, who normally joins us for various different things, uh, is, of course, has put his hand up and is sitting alongside you. How are your preparations going, Chris? Well, do you know what? Until about a month ago, there weren't really any. They were quite... Um they were quite, hold on, I've got to collect my I've never had that before when I'm doing an interview. <laughs> <laughs> we should point out Chris is on a trade at the moment. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. So, um, yeah, so I, well, I hadn't done an awful lot until about a And um, then we actually started to get things together and we quickly was on the break. So I had a good three-man car, 
we went back to the Forest Experience as well. So I've got a bit of seat time in it. And I, still, I understand it better now in the way it drives. It's a pretty basic S-Corp with a Vauxhall engine in it. Um, but surprised at how much you don't really have to use the brakes. It really is just pitching the thing in, isn't it, and using the gas. But it's a really enjoyable car to drive, rally prep of, of put it together. Uh, it, was all, it was already built, but they kind of tweaked it to make it work. So I think we're in quite a good shape. But I suppose the other thing that I take a bit of comfort from is I spend a lot of time sitting in cars. And I think and these events, is really a lot of it's about comfort, isn't it? Just making sure that you don't have niggles in your back, down your shoulders, your arms. Most of us are gen drivers in, 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 in this event. And it'd be such a shame to, to get a sort of lower back spasm halfway through it and not be able to compete. I think... I think the human, I think human reliability is, is, is as pertinent <laughs> as machine reliability. So, um, and, and you know, I've got a zero, pretty much a zero miles engine and gearbox in the car. So, if, if they don't work, then nothing's going to work, is it? I just, it's just, it's something I've always wanted to do from watching the BBC Rally reports as a kid and just seeing the scope of this event and just seeing headlights flashing through trees and noise. Just an event of great scope has always been a. A dream for me, so I cannot wait for them to go. Uh, that's that's what I was going to ask, Chris. I mean, uh, we used to see you uh, playing around in uh, in cars on TV, playing around in rally cars as well. But where did the love affair for rallying start for you? I always loved it. I just used to. I I just. I suppose that I was impressionable and young at the time when the Quattro came along, and this vehicle totally captivated me. And I think I loved it because even though I left Formula One, there was no real sense of crossover between those cars and the Ferrari you saw on the road. Well, there wasn't even a McLaren road car. They were, they were racing flippers. But to see a Quattro in the hands of Stig and Meton and Walter Laws and then just to see one outside, you know, the school gate, I was lucky. Um, you, I just, I loved the connection of it. Um, and then I, then I got into it and I was totally captivated by pioneer of the sport that we know will never be repeated. But it was just extraordinary visceral angles I love angles these things sliding around on the loose just for so me the man of them sorry about the train <laughs> that's alright we, we like a bit of atmosphere um, and uh, you've, you've done you've done a few events um, you, you've had your own M3 built that you've done a little bit in. You were out in the GT86 a couple of years back. Um, you know, what, uh, what What are your memories from your events that you've done so far? And, and, and what's maybe the uh, the biggest unknown for you going into the RAC? Uh, I've finished about 10% of the rallies I've started. I'd like to finish one. as long short of it. Um, yeah, we've been, I've never really applied myself. I just sort of ran into things and had a bit of time. And it's been so busy in the last decade. And, and I realised that that's, I'm not, I've not afforded the events the respect they deserve it's a bit different to being circuit driver where you just turn up as long as your brain's bolted in you can just go ahead and someone takes care of it it's more involved than that so I yeah I didn't give them the respect they deserve hence the reason I was largely rubbish but let's see what happens now I've no great expectations of, my, of myself or bring we'll just bother along and have a great time but, I, but I, there's more prep this time we are more sorted and also the M3 was a bit of a project because there wasn't another gravel spec M3 out there. And we've built a beautiful car, but now M3 shells are so valuable. I'm not sure we can really do that with it. Because what I paid 12 grand for is now 70 grand. You know, I don't really know what to do with that car, I'm honest with you. We might have to move it on because this Escort is so good. And I understand why everyone's got an Escort. Well, I, I, genuinely, that's what I was going to ask you is, is you know, listen, I'm a, I'm a massive Mark II fan myself, but there's just... 
so many of them um and i get it i completely get it i built one myself back in the day i haven't got one anymore but with regards to that was it always going to be an escort was it it was was it and it was the was that the, 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 the you know that was it always going to be an escort Yes, I think it was, not because, not actually for necessary emotional reasons, it was cost reasons. It's the, it's the cheapest way to have a bit of a weapon, uh, on the event. And I think, I did, what cemented it was a, a film we did on, on something about, um, a year ago, a bit more than a year ago. And we were, we had a day out skidding some, some, uh, escorts around in Grisdale. And I had one of these, is it, I always forget the guy's name, Salter, T-S-A-L-T-A. Um, he, he lent us his car, and it was, it had a, a bit of a life, but it was a flipping weapon, how fast it was. And I could, he had a sequential gearbox, so I just said to him, what is this? And I didn't even dawn on me to ask him whether the engine was a Ford or not. He said, no, it's got a Frontier motor in it, and it's got a sequential box, and it's about 45, 50 grand. I went, well, this is... I was I was looking the following day. I was looking to find one the following day because I thought that's the weapon to have. And then we have to go and do this event. I was so so convinced I had to do it. So wonderful the whole experience. With regards to obviously, you know, before we started to record, one thing that did come up, of course, was the night stages, which you know. I, I, for me, you know, we're we're all a similar age, and you know, I when I used to go out and watch the RAC as uh, as we know it, it was the night stages. It was that cold November, you know, the flashing of the lights, etc. All the all the things you alluded to before. How are you feeling about that? Uh, apprehensive, can be the word. <laughs> um, I've, I mean, I've done a lot of GT racing at night. I've done lots of twenty-five. 24 hours is probably, or maybe 20. So I've done lots, but it's different on a circuit. He's going over the same ground, aren't you? The idea of constantly changing landscape in front of you doesn't afford much grip. Probably some ice and snow thrown in as well and some trees. That's quite, quite daunting. So I think I just want to respect the event, really. And um, I've no doubt I'll fall off a couple of times. But to be, to be making that noise through the trees... There's something about the noise of those cars as they reach safety, so powerful. Yeah, I can't wait, but I am, I'm pretty nervous about it. I, just, I had a good look at the schedule of the Brinton entry the other night, and it's just a, you're not lacking seats, I'm on it, are you? Definitely not. How are you with notes, Chris, in all seriousness as well? I'm not too bad, but we don't have, you know, I'm not, it's not my day job, and we don't have. Ben and I don't spend enough time with each other, so there's to be any great synergy to start with. I've sat with he's sat with me many times before, but I haven't done it for a while. But yeah, you know, I suspect after in the middle of day two, I might be getting quite used to it. By the end, I think I'll be okay. Do you think this, you know, genuinely, obviously, if you've ticked this box, is there anywhere else to go after this, Chris? For you, is this just is this your parachute yeah. moment, as we call them? No, no, I'll, 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 you know, hopefully there's anything left in the car. We'll, um, we'll go and do some other events next year. There was, I was going to do Rally Barbados this year, but that got obviously cooled off. I want to just do this. Well, I haven't got time to do a championship or anything, but I, I, no, I'd love to do doing two or three events a year in it. Um, because I have, you know, controversially, so I have a fear that in 10 years' time we might not be able to do this in the way we do now. And therefore, now is the time to fully do it. So I kick myself if I didn't do it now. I think that's what we, Ryan 
Ryan said exactly yeah, the same thing last week. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know how long we'll be able to drive through a forest with, with combustion engines. Uh, I think you're quite right to, to make the most of it while it's there. But I, I, I will tell you, having done Rally Barbados five or six times, when you do get there, you'll not be disappointed. <laughs> I, yeah, I'd love to do that. That's obviously a bit of a... I, I, maybe I'm, I'm seduced by the carriage, the, the rum and the, <laughs> and the sunshine. But, but I, I just, it's, such a, it's a wonderfully perverse race, Rally Barbados. I quite like to but no, there's lots of, I, I, you know, the other thing to do is to convert the, it wouldn't take much to convert that M3 to a thermostat car and then go and do it and, you know, there's lots of things I would love to have a go at. But it's obviously a time really, as much as anything else. And also, writing checks for motorsport is a really new thing for me. I've been the luckiest sod ever. I've done everything for free all my life. So to actually write checks like I have done for this was an interesting decision. So I could have gone and got the sponsors, because we could probably get a bit of exposure more than most people. I just thought, do you know what? I want to do this my way. I don't want to have to stand in front of a camera every 10 minutes or have sponsors along and pat them on the ass. I just, I, I just couldn't be bothered. So I've, I've actually written some checks and I'm properly mean man, as Ryan can ask Richard Tutter. I really am. That's a, that's a bit of a leap of faith for me. And on, on that note, I have spoken to Richard and I, he is one of my oldest friends. Um, and um, the idea that he's given Ryan this super duper Porsche has vexed me somewhere. Because um, he's not the <laughs> one. <laughs> and then, then, he had a, then he phoned me up and he went why have you got an escort why have you not got a Porsche I said well you've given Ryan your Porsche and he went yeah there is that um, <laughs> and then when I, when I tested the car at Sweetland two weeks ago Richard came along because given that Francis had such a history in escorts Richard had never driven a Mark II escort until three weeks ago can you believe that so, um, so we had a brilliant day out with him basically ruining my escort before the event <laughs> We've all been seduced into supporting Ryan on this event. That's all I'll say, to be honest with you, mate. Even, I, even I've got involved with supporting him on this one. Long story, but yeah, we, 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 all, we, all, we all bought into it. I don't know what it is. Puppy dog eyes are Ryan Champion. That's what yeah, I put it down be. to. Yeah. yeah. I have other I photographs. Think, I, think, I, I, I think I love the phrase, but he's been a pretty loyal servant to the sport. And if anyone deserves it, it's him. He'll also be nothing quick and make most of us look stupid so um, I'm just going to I'm just going to I'm going to tuck into his slipstream it's a long way behind him uh, but the thing is I don't think I can pray his car will break either because there's my levels of tanks on it so it will be but it, just to be a plant it's going to be mega Chris mate Listen, I'm really, really conscious of uh, how much time you've got, and I know how busy you are, um, to be honest with you, so I really appreciate you affording us the time, because you've got a lot of commitments before you even get in a rally car this week, so thank you so much for your time, my friend. Look, you're more than welcome. Best of luck with everything you're doing. This is Absolute Rally. Ireland's leading commercial note supplier, Killian Duffy, has joined forces with 2016 British Rally champion Craig Parry to form On The Pace Note UK. For more information, visit the website onthepacenote.co.uk. Welcome to the final section of Absolute Rally. And a man who, do you know what? It, it makes me remember just how quickly time flies because we spoke to him at probably this point uh, for the last two years. And, and it, it's Adam Hall, the man behind Rally Insight, which has now become a bit of a, it's, the, am, am I being disrespectful if I call it the coffee book rally book? That, that sounds good. The coffee to me. table rally book, rather. That's where yeah. I was going with this. 
you go the sales pitch no thanks thanks tony thanks for having me back as well no no Probably, no sorry, listen you, you you came through obviously you know year one fantastic lots of rallying i seem to remember obviously yeah. we had you know craig breen over in ireland doing loads of stuff and doing the artist tarmac and there was loads of rallying going on of course then you had obviously the, the the trials and tribulations that we all had apart from you know the the, the obvious serious stuff but obviously yeah. rallying heavily being curtailed last year but you still managed to put again something together but we, we've kind of got up somewhere in between i suppose this last 12 months yeah the the difference this year is all the all the stuff that's happened has been at the tail end so it's been a very busy autumn but no it's it's made for some nice content and i've really enjoyed my, my interviews this year getting stuff pulled together and yeah it's uh we've sort of gone full circle now back to back to um up to date rally news rally features um interviews and stories so it's it's pretty good and it's, it's nice to be in this position again so uh, tell me what can, can you tell us who, who, who you've spoken to already is there going to be you know can can you yeah. give us some can you give us some hints i'll i'll go from go from near the start anyway well uh, obviously won't won't get through everyone but i suppose the front cover feature this year's with Callum divine um, he was obviously in ERC um, for the past two seasons, really. Um, but he came home then in autumn time, just the, the way things worked. And he went and won the, the first three rallies um, in Ireland. Uh, so, yeah, that was cover feature, and it tied in nicely with um, rallying coming back in Ireland as well. Uh, and, yeah, Craig Breen features as well so does paul and coming going back to what you're saying about 2019 it's it's sort of been nice following those stories through with uh, what they did in the tarmac championship in 19 and then getting their hyundai drive and now they've got their their full-time seat next year so yeah it's it's just been a privilege to be honest to to hear those guys talk about that journey in particular and um, i guess the the story with Craig is more about um, what his hopes for next year are and some of his standout performances from this year. And then our feature with Paul Nagel, um, his covers more about the, the overall generation of World Rally Car and um, how special that's been since 2017. And yeah, I guess in, in all the trials and tribulations Paul has had in, in that era with um, Chris and Citroen and then Hyundai and part-time driving he actually hasn't missed a season in that era which i sort of surprised me when i wow. look back on that so yeah it's, it's it's been a nice one to put together i have to say i have to ask as well over the last couple of years obviously you know we, we've all been and I, I don't know whether this is the digital media uh of kind of uh, brainwashed us a little bit in, in the fact that you know everybody's moving away from 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 having something to to read you know and i you know, I completely and utterly disagree. Um, you know, I, it's, it, I know it seems like an odd analogy, but, you know, I read a book to my son every night. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's something quite nice about doing that. I don't think I don't think I'd ever allow myself to read from an iPad to read my son a bedtime story as an example. And I know I'm not comparing your stuff to a bedtime story, yeah. but, is, you know, it, I, and again, to use another analogy, um, 
a guy was with me the other day who just picked up a turntable, um, you know, which even probably even precedes you, I think, with all due respect, but he's, he's going yeah. back to vinyl. Are, are we seeing something here? Is, is, there, is there definitely some momentum now about having, you know, these kind of, because, you know, we all remember, supposed to Pirelli annuals and stuff back in the day. Is, is, yeah, is, is there yeah. some momentum? Are you seeing orders, you know, is, is, is the kind of the momentum building behind people having a hard copy? Definitely, like the the number of books that I'm ordering has increased gradually from from the start, and yeah, I think from a personal point of view as well. Like, obviously, do do online stories too, but the the communication and the the feedback you get from the the physical book, just from people ordering it, um, it's it's just encouraging here and. People enjoy it, and even my nephew. It was it was a special, special one. One of these things you never think of until you it actually happens. Um, he had to in primary school or whatever. He had to write his favorite book or bring his favorite book into school. So he so he brought the the rally inside yearbook in. Love it. And explained it. So he is he's got his um reserved for this year. He can't wait and. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I guess we grew up um, having what magazines, autosport, motorsport news, whatever. Um, it's sort of part of the the atmosphere or the the memories that you have growing up. And yeah, we'll, we'll maybe have lost some of that with um, everything going digital. But having having these things, and even even for me to to have that um, at home and just yeah it's always there to, to look back on and I guess that's probably one of the one of the thoughts behind it was to have plenty of good photos having a, a hardback book as well as something that um, can last down through the years and yeah it's always there to, to go back and have a flick through can I ask where is perhaps over the last couple of years the, 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 the most remote place you've sent one of your books to oh my goodness Uh there's been some to Finland, which I guess isn't a surprise. There's some to Eastern Europe. Um, there's been one to Australia. I um, actually had a, an order from Jamaica okay. this year, which is probably the, the most remote. That's, that's funny because you, you really have to double check your, your Royal Mail prices or the postage <laughs> to, to make sure that's possible to send a book um, to places like that. But Oh, it's it's really cool, and again, um, taking taking orders through email or or social media or whatever, it's it's nice having that conversation with some of these people to see to see why they're why they're buying it or where the interest lies over there. So it's it's pretty cool. Brilliant. I suppose the the other blessing is now, you know, thankfully for all of us, rallying is coming back to some degree. Of course, we're just going into to, to rally week. For the RAC, is this is this yeah. something that uh, does this kind of get the, the juices flowing for you as well? Of course, because you know the throwback to me, and, and I'm I'm slightly biased in the sense of you know I know they're doing coverage and stuff for the RAC, but I find it mind blowing that they haven't really tapped into the fact that and I know we've used them on on the on on the pod for doing some voiceovers and stuff for us, but the likes of Mark James doing the yeah. RAC coverage to me is an absolute no brainer, and I still haven't quite figured out why nobody's kind of tapped into that yet. But yeah. equally. Um, you know, having, you know, yeah, and I appreciate obviously it's a, it's a bi yearly thing, but, you know, the RAC is something that does, does that kind of get these uses flown for you thinking, well, you know, we've got, we're going to have some great content for next year almost. 
Yeah, like the the book last year, um, we interviewed uh, Marty McCormack and um, Barney Mitchell and the, all the guys behind his team about the RSA. And literally, that was a a Sunday night. God, could have been two or three hours or talking about um, their RSA experiences. Like, yeah, even having that rally there, it's so good seeing the number of entries in and the, the general interest that it's, it's gaining. It seems to really gain traction every single um, year or every two years. Um, but yeah, that's for me that's class and again it's, it's those type of stories that it's it's not necessarily, you know, somebody won by thirty seconds and this is how it happened. It's it's all the all the stories around it, the chase crews, just all the yeah, even the organization to make it happen, making ferries and boats, everything, it's, 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 for me, that's, that's rallying, that's what it was at the start, where you faced a challenge over five days, travelling through different countries, and, yeah, those stories, and for me, that's, that's really what it's all about. No, absolutely. Really looking forward to it. I'm going to try and take a, a little poodle up the motorway, a little poodle, a poodle up the M6 from where I am and go and, and go and take a look at it. But anyway, listen, I'm really conscious of time. Um, and I just wanted to obviously grab you because, you know, it, it, to me, this is like the beginning of Christmas now. When I, until I speak to you, Adam, <laughs> it's not Christmas. Now, now I can allow myself to put my Christmas decorations up. But anyway, oh. listen, anybody who is listening, um, in all seriousness, who does want to reach out and does want to get a copy of the book, you know, I could literally chop this section and put it out from the last two years but I always yeah. ask you the same question really what's the best way of, uh, of our listeners reaching out to you uh, email is, is the best um, rallyinsight at gmail.com and yeah drop me a line and I'll send you the, the details across as soon as possible but yeah it's pretty simple and nothing, nothing more complicated than that Happy days, happy days. Uh, one last thing I just want to ask you before you go. Um, it was Ulster last weekend as we recorded yeah. this. Now, I could get lynched the next time I go to Northern Ireland when I say yeah. this, but I'm going to say it anyway because a young driver asked, asked, was talking to me not so long ago and I, he was talking about going over and doing Ulster and events like that. And I said, it's fine, but you have to kind of unplug yourself a little bit and go, you're never going to compete with the local drivers. You've just got to yeah. go and do your own event, which has always been quite solid advice for anybody going over and doing events um, over there, to be honest with you. That's what I was always told when I first went over there and everything else. And then the British Rally Championship turned up. Uh, um, aside from any of the politics and the, the, the numbers and everything else, but we had a championship battle, obviously, with, 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 with Ocean Price and Matt Edwards. And all of a sudden, they were on a completely different level. Yeah, yeah. With something that in my time I don't remember happening before um, how is that how is that seen by the, the guys over there what you because historically it's been such a local type event you know that you know people coming um, you know from from mainland or whatever coming over to do the rally have always kind of been seen to be you know make you know you're never gonna you know get it amongst the locals but all, all of a sudden you just had these two absolutely hammering tongue obviously fighting for the championship but they were so far ahead of the rest yeah, I think, to be fair, there were, there were quite a lot of different reasons, I suppose, to, to make sense of it. And again, if you go back to 2019, Matt was the closest guy to Craig's pace. And again, the weather then was probably a bit more stable. So the times in general were a lot closer. But 
even from watching Matt and Oshin on Saturday, just their commitment to every corner was incredible. But again, that comes back to their title fight. Like second place was no good to either of them um, in that rally. So yeah, I guess coming into every corner in such mixed conditions like they were picking one breaking point and committing to it, whereas I think the the guys at home were probably biting to, to try and find a safe spot and then committing to the corner. And honestly, I think that's where a lot of the time is lost. And again, the likes of Callum, he was struggling with his um, setup. Uh, and he sort of switched dampers midway through the day um, and yeah, Sam Moffat probably was another guy you would have expected a bit further up um, he he was struggling with the car he had brake fade and again the conditions he was in the field a couple of times just I think Johnny Greer was probably the only um, local driver who didn't have a, an excursion or um, a serious moment for the last time through the whole day. Um, but yeah, the the speed by Oshin and Matt was, it really was incredible. It's again, probably complete reverse of what you, you expect when, um, you have British guys coming over to battle Irish folks in the in home soil. But yeah, for, for Pedalin and yeah, seeing, seeing them over here and putting those times in, you would, you would love to, see them on more Irish tarmac events to see if they could check things up with you, it's made things very interesting. Um, very much so. Very much so. Adam, Adam, thank you, mate. It's it's a pleasure as ever to catch up with you. And uh, as I say, um, the best way, obviously, is reach out to Adam also on social media as well, if uh, if you didn't get the email address. But uh, Rally Insight is the best way of picking up. Adam, uh, best of luck getting the books out before Christmas. No pressure. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, no pressure. I know. starts when, when the, the bigs all leave my house. So. <laughs> good man, good man. Good Folks, we, we will be back um, this time next week, obviously following up on what's happened on the RAC Rally with our own, own Ryan Champion. We'll be back same time, same place in the podcast hall next week. Absolute Rally, powered by the Kielder Works team. Spread the word and download the podcast every week.